Welcome to Love Letters from Jesus, the podcast that brings you the Sermon of the Week, with your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. Hello and welcome to another edition of Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. Thank you to my daughter for that fine introduction. And today we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about his glorious return, the second coming of Christ. And that's going to be our topic for today. I haven't had a podcast recording in quite a while. Things have been a little bit busy in my life. And uh, I'm glad to be able to be doing this again. So, and in the future, I hope to bring you some interviews with some interesting people as well that would be great as well so love letters from jesus is a podcast where we go through the word of god and hopefully you will feel energized as you learn the word of god and empowered by hearing it and learning it and have the word of god to to feed you. That's what this is about. So, <clears throat> the uh, place I really want to start is about the judgment. And what will it be based on? A lot of people don't want to think about this. You ask people, well, what's going to happen at the end? A lot of people kind of shake their heads and they'll say, well, I don't know. And sadly, they don't know. They're not sure what to think because, well, they don't read the Bible. So they don't have the answer. The answer is really clear. God tells us what's going to happen. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ you know the answer and you'll be ready. But sadly, there are so many people in this world that don't know Christ and haven't had the opportunity to be taught or haven't taken up the opportunity, even though they've been offered that opportunity, to be taught God's Word. But let me just briefly read to you a few things here and familiar territory for those of you who are bible students you go to john chapter 3 and just look at verse 16 and we'll read down a few verses 
see what the Bible says here. For God so loved the world, verse 16, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Perish would be going to hell forever, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Remember, Jesus' mission was to save the world, to save you and me and this whole world, and to bring us to heaven, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So we're saved by faith in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Let me just read that again. Whoever, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. You see? So people do it to themselves. So verse 17 again, For God did not send his Son, that's Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Salvation by faith in Jesus. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. All right. Then you take it to verse 36. Same chapter, John chapter 3. Now go to John chapter 3, verse 36, where it very plainly says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. That's pretty clear. That is actually very clear, isn't it? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So, to believe in the Son means that you have eternal life. It's instant. God gives it to you. So how do we get to believe? The Holy Spirit works in your heart through the Word. Okay, well, St. Paul tells us all about that. St. Paul tells us all about that in the book of Romans. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 is very clear about this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message. So God the Holy Spirit is working through 
the word, the word that is read by you, that is preached to you, that your mother told you, the word of, that you heard in Sunday school, the Holy Spirit's working through that. So faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. The message is heard through the word of Christ. So it's completely God doing this. See, we don't go and find God. We can't find God because we're dead in our trespasses and sins. If you take a look at Ephesians, St. Paul tells us that too. Ephesians chapter 2, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, targets for God's anger. Then verse 4, there's a, there's a change. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, what's mercy? That is God choosing to love us even though we cannot help ourselves. He reaches down into our ugliness, our helplessness, and chooses to help us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So if we are dead in our sins, there's no way we can cooperate in our salvation. If we are dead in our sins, there's no way we can go find God. There's no way we can boast and say, I found him. People like to put those kind of uh, bumper stickers on their car saying, I found him. You, you really didn't. But rather, God found you and made you alive in Christ Jesus. Faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. God finds you. What did God do with his disciples he found them, and then they followed him. See, and it's all God's grace, and that's what the rest of Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, that it's all by God's grace. You think about that. Go down to verse 8 of chapter 2 in Ephesians. Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Where did the faith come from? The Holy Spirit working through the Word. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, not by anything you did, because you were busy being dead in your trespasses and sins, physically alive but spiritually dead. God had to make you alive. So not by works. So that no one can boast 
No one can say, I chose God. We can't do that. We're by nature God's enemies. So God found us. God made us alive. For we are by we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So God does all this for us. He comes to us. So if anyone is an unbeliever, it's because they have rejected God. And I bring up all of this before we go to Matthew chapter 25. Because in Matthew chapter 25, we're talking about the glorious return of Jesus Christ at the end of the world. God has done everything for you to be a believer. He's given you the Word. He has given you the Holy Spirit, who is God, to work through that Word. And working through that Word, He gives you faith. That is the ability to believe. He makes you alive in Christ so that you have faith, so that you are a Christian. God gets all the credit. We don't get the credit. God gets all the credit. So if a person is an unbeliever, it's their own fault. They have rejected everything Christ died on the cross to win for them. Christ came into this world not to condemn any of us, but to save all of us. That's what was made very clear in John chapter 3. So, Matthew records now in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he will separate believers from unbelievers. That will be the separation. It will not be a separation based on hair color. It will not be a separation based on how you look. It will not be a separation based on gender. It's a separation based on what's in your heart. Do you believe in Jesus Christ or not? The believers on his right, the unbelievers on his left. And he uses this picture of sheep and goats because this is something that was very familiar to the people in Israel at that time because, well, they were an agriculture people. They raised sheep and goats. So, not that goats are evil by any means, but in this case, he uses that picture. Okay? So, the believers being called what? Being called sheep. And we have that picture all through Scripture in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he talks about leading his sheep. Okay? So, I know, goats don't fare too well in the Bible. But God made them too, didn't he? 
All right, verse 34. Then the king, that's Jesus, will come to those on his right, and he'll say these things. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you gave and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, that's the believers, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? and go to visit you. Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Let's just stop there a minute. So, as believers, we are motivated by faith to bear good fruit. That is, we do what we do. We call them good works. Um, we don't do them to earn heaven. That has been done for us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we do what we do out of love and thankfulness to our God. That's why we do what we do. So we don't plan it. We just live our lives. And when we have opportunities to show love to other people, we do. Not that we're perfect, not that we always do it, but we generally do it. So Christian people love their Lord Jesus and they love others because of him. And because Jesus Christ came into the world and lived a perfect life and died on the cross and took away all of our sins. People who are Christians are thankful for Christ saving us from going to hell forever. So in thankful praise, Christian people show that thankful love in acts of love as they get opportunity to serve one another and to help others, to help others who come along in their life. Um, and the kind of things that Jesus is mentioning here. It could be the least of people, it could be street people, you know, helping people out. And it's because of that thankful love. So these are not people Jesus is mentioning here who did what they did in order to earn their way to heaven. They didn't do what they did because they were afraid of Jesus. They did what they did out of thankfulness because Jesus already saved them. 
and in a thankful, faith-driven life, they live their life sacrificially for others, just as Christ came and put us first we were his main priority he came here to live for us and to die for us and then he rose from the dead for us so as a christian we live a sacrificial love where we love others and put them ahead of us and we may interrupt what we're planning in order to help somebody out that's what's being talked about here then verse 41 then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They, will, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Unbelievers do not fear God. Unbelievers have no love of God. They have rejected Jesus. They have rejected the gift that he won for them on the cross. Unbelievers care about no one except themselves. They are very, they generally speaking are very selfish. And even if they do things like Jesus mentioned here, the Bible says that is in, without faith, without faith in Christ, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you cannot please God. So no matter what you do, without faith, you cannot please God. God wants you to believe in him. You should see your heart as a throne, and Jesus Christ needs to be seated on that throne. God wants to be number one in your life. He wants you to believe in him, and he wants, he wants to be number one. He wants to be the only God, because he is the one and only God. In the world that is filled with false gods, he says, I am your Savior God. I love you, and no one else has saved you. And I'm the one that has saved you, and I can help you, and I will help you. And Jesus has done all things for us. But unbelievers go to hell because they reject all of these good things that God has prepared. And on the last day, they're going to be sorry. On the last day, they're going to be sorry. They're going to spend eternity in hell being sorry. And it's all on them. And that's going to be the hurt about hell, is it's all on them. Because they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. 
They wouldn't make time for it. They're going to have forever to think about that. So this part of Scripture reminds us that hell is real, and it's an eternal punishment. It's an eternal punishment. It's not a game. It's not a party. It's an eternal punishment. It's fire. It's darkness. It's all kinds of horrible things. But it, it's the absence of God's love. You want to experience God's love forever? That's heaven. So let us do everything in our power to continue to believe in Jesus Christ and to feed our faith with his word as long as we live on this earth. That's what's most important. Let us be prepared to meet him when he comes. No one knows the day or the hour. Let us be prepared to meet him when he comes. That's our study for today. I'll include a sermon on this. And uh, all of you have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Love Letters from Jesus. The Lord be with you and grant you a wonderful day. information on the sermon I got uh, here on this podcast. So the sermon is got a sermon text of John chapter 20 uh, verses 28 to 31. The sermon theme is Lord help me believe. Part one faith is God's working and part two, eternal salvation is God's gift. So that is what's going on with that. And enjoy the sermon. And anytime you are in Fredericksburg, Texas, that's where I'm recording. I am at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church. Feel free to stop in. Church is at 10 a.m. And we are members of the Wisconsin Synod. If anyone out there is interested in baptism, come talk to me. I'd be glad to talk to you. You can find us on the internet at shepherdofthehillstexas.net. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Enjoy the sermon. This is Love Letters from Jesus.
grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God for our consideration today is found in the gospel of the day, John chapter 20, verses 28 to 31. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Lord, help me believe. Faith is God's working. Eternal salvation is God's gift. Let's just think for a moment what a blessing it is that you got up this morning and wanted to come here. Because you didn't do that on your own. God moved in you. It was an act of faith to come to church. There is nothing in a sinful human being that makes them want to go to church all on their own. It's God living in you. It's God living in you that moves you to want to come hear His Word. That leads you to want to go commune with God and hear His Word and sing His praise. The person without faith does not do that. They're still an enemy of God. That is the last thing they want to do. But the Holy Spirit worked in you. Now, people give in to the uh, sinful nature, even though they're Christians, and sometimes, well, what do they do? They stay in bed and they hear the sermon from Pastor Pillow, right? And we have that weak flesh. And sometimes... We skip church for no reason. But a lot of times we, we, we go to church because what's moving in us, God is moving in us. And that's through faith in Jesus. God brings you to church. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ, Romans ten seventeen. Think of what you were before you were a believer. St. Paul t- talks to the Ephesians about that, Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. There is no debtor or deadest. Dead is dead. We've all been to funerals. The the person in the casket does not get up and greet you. Of course, if they did, that would make the news. 
The person in the casket has no life in them. We're there because we're sad, because that person has passed away. Paul is saying in Roman in uh, Ephesians two, you are physically alive, yet you are spiritually dead when you are an unbeliever. And when you're spiritually dead, you cannot think or choose to do anything. You cannot go choose God. You cannot go find God. God has to come to you. God has to come to you. What did Jesus do for the disciples? He came to them. He came to them. He chose them. And they came to faith in a very privileged way. They came to faith by seeing. They saw God. They saw Jesus. They heard him preach. They heard him teach the word of God, the message of Christ, just as Paul says in Romans 10, 17, worked in their hearts. The Holy Spirit through that word worked in their hearts and gave them faith, saving faith. And they witnessed his miracles. He changed water into wine. And they probably had the opportunity to drink some. Some of the best wine ever. He raised people from the dead. He cleansed the lepers in the leper colony. And that horrible disease of leprosy, no one should go near them. That, that stuff's catchy. <clears throat> Jesus put his hands on the leper. Be healed. Be cleansed. Go show yourself to the priests and give the sacrifices required by Moses. Jesus let them see it. They had the privilege of seeing God. And so did Paul. Paul was literally knocked off his horse and questioned by Jesus, why are you fighting against me? And then after he went through his trials, Jesus led him out into a desolate place in the desert and taught him by revelation. Jesus, though he had ascended, he appeared to him and taught him for three years. So he was taught much like the other disciples. He, Paul, saw Jesus. He tells us about this in the book of Galatians. All of these Apostles, an apostle is someone who was taught directly by Jesus and then sent out. So there are no more apostles. They were taught directly. They saw Jesus. How privileged they were. 
Yeah, Jesus says of you and me, blessed are you that believe. Because you believe without seeing. Blessed are those who have not seen and and yet have believed. Thomas was struggling. He struggled apparently through the whole three years that he was a witness to the miracles of Christ, to the preachings of Christ, to the teachings of Christ. He struggled. And then Jesus was taken and nailed to a cross and laid in a grave. And witnesses came to him and said, We have seen the Lord, he's risen. Nope, I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it. Unless I, he gives his own directives, unless I can see those hands once nailed to the cross and put my finger in it and take my hand and put my hand in his side where the Roman spear once went. I will not believe it ever. Pretty strong words. But Jesus knew how weak Thomas was. How vulnerable he was. And he did not want this man who was vulnerable, who the devil was right there trying to get him to. He didn't want him to be lost. So there came a time when all the disciples were together and Thomas was there too. Jesus came in, even though the doors were locked, and he greeted everyone. And he invited him to do the very thing that he was demanding. Thomas! Here are my hand. See them? Come, put your finger here. See my side? Come put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas answered him. Most Bible scholars agree that at this point, most likely Thomas fell to his knees. And answered, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Jesus speaks to him saying, because you have seen me, you have believed. But let us not forget, all the other disciples were given the same thing. They were all given three years of seeing Jesus. It took him longer, didn't it? It took him longer. Some people take longer. But we need to see here that God doesn't give up. God doesn't give up. 
Some people's flesh fight against it. We have that sinful human nature that fights with God. But God doesn't give up. Jesus didn't give up. He gave him everything he needed. The Holy Spirit's working in his heart. God never gives up working on this disciple to save him for eternal life. We should find great comfort in this. We should find great comfort in this when a loved one who has gone to church with us or maybe we raised them to go to church with us and then they stop going to church. And maybe they say something that just floors us like, I'm not sure I believe anymore. And we're like, what? I took you to church your whole childhood. And we just don't know what to think of that. That's why we need to come here. And we see that Jesus didn't give up on Thomas. Jesus didn't give up. He kept working on him. He gave him everything he needed. You believe because you've seen me. But so did all the other disciples. He was right there working on all of them. And they all had their resurrection issues too. Who were the first to be good with it? The women! We have seen the Lord! And only two disciples run to the grave, Peter and John. The rest of them sit in the room, still afraid of the Jews. And they all had their doubts. And Jesus has to show up in that room that was locked and rebuke them that they didn't believe the women. I sent you eyewitnesses and you didn't believe them. What's wrong with you guys? And then Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's not slapping you and me on the back saying, Good job. He's telling us the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is powerful to to work in the heart. Because you and I are just as... You and I have just as much the sinful flesh that Thomas had. And our flesh can be just as stubborn as his. But God's word is powerful. Okay, we don't have the opportunity to behold Jesus face to face. We don't have the opportunity to witness his miracles as Thomas did. We're not Jesus' everyday companion as Thomas was. But the Word of God is powerful. We read the Word of God and it works in our hearts. And in the Word we find Jesus. And we find Him working in our heart. And through the power of God's Word we find that He's real. And that He's powerful. And that we believe in Him. He convinces our heart. 
That's the Holy Spirit working through the Word, giving us this wonderful gift of eternal salvation. And it's God's gift to give. And this is why Jesus came and he lived this beautiful, perfect life that we could never live. Taking away all of our sin and our guilt and our shame, the sins we know about, the sins we begrudge, and the sins we don't even know about. All of which, even one of them, could just separate us from God forever. And he took them all away, and he kept God's law perfectly for us. And then he died on the cross to pay the price, and his blood has forever, in the one-time perfect sacrifice, done what? Purified us. And we are pure. And Jesus has delivered to us this gift of righteousness. God, our Heavenly Father, declares us righteous in His sight because of what Jesus has done for us. And in an instant that we come to faith, we receive this gift of salvation. And it's all God's doing. We can't take any of the credit. We can't run around saying, I found God. When all the time it's God came to God came to us. You see what St. Paul said in to the Ephesians in chapter two is what when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, what happened? God made us alive in Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is what happened to Thomas. God made Thomas alive through Christ Jesus. That's what happened to every one of us. God made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's what happens at this baptismal here. You bring this this baby all decorated in white, cute as can be, total sinner, total unbeliever. You can't see the ugliness of that baby's sins. But they're there. And if God would let you see the unbelief and the ugliness of sin, that baby would look disgusting to every one of us. And we take the baby to the baptismal font, and in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we baptize the baby, and the baby is made beautiful. Because all the sin is washed away. God makes the baby beautiful. By washing away the sin and the guilt and the shame and giving the baby faith. And who's the only actor in this thing? God is. And that beautiful white suit or gown that you put on the baby is symbolic of the purity, is symbolic of the purity of Jesus is symbolic of the holiness of Jesus. The baby leaves better off than when the baby came because all the sins have been washed away. That's why we go have coffee and cake after church because we're celebrating all the sins have been removed. There was a woman one time who lived a horrible life. She was an immoral person. 
And she changed her ways and she repented and she said to me, you taught me that Jesus Christ forgives me all my sins and through his blood I am purified. Pastor, is that true? And I said, yes, ma'am, that's true. And she said, I'm going to get married and I want to wear a white dress. And there are people in my family telling me I can't wear white because I lived a bad life that I have to wear some other color. And she said, can I wear white because it's Christ who makes me pure. And there were gossipy women who were saying, oh, she can't wear white because of the sins that she has committed. And they sat in the back of the church. And I said, if you want to wear white because of the purity of Christ, You wear white. And she found the whitest dress she could find. And those gossipy women showed up. So at her wedding, she came to the front of the church, and I explained what the dress symbolized. And those gossipy women stopped talking. That the dress didn't symbolize the woman's purity, but the purity that she received through the blood of Jesus Christ who forgives her all her sins. And that's why she's wearing that dress today. And they had nothing to say. All of a sudden, all the chatter in the back of the church stopped. They learned something that day. God forgives sins. And God gives faith. And God comes to us to give us eternal life. And we're going to heaven, and it's all his doing. It's God who came to Thomas and showed him this love. It's God who comes to us when we were nothing but lost and sinful and unbelieving and brought us to faith through his gospel and has given us eternal life. And we have the privilege of taking that message and sharing it with others. And it's God who will work through us and through his message so that others too will have the opportunity to believe. Dear friends, rejoice that God never gives up. Lord, help me believe. And he'll be right there before we even ask. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic, and I look forward to you listening again, once again. If you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Look forward to having you listen to us again. Have a great week.